everybody, and welcome to the greatest fantasy football show in the entire world, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Tuesdays with Emery, the czar of the fantasy playbook. Well, you're really the czar of the playbook, but we've kind of co-opted you into the fantasy playbook. Emery Hunt, what's up, man? <laughs> what's going on, Nando, man? As always, a pleasure to join you here on this fine audio podcast that we have here at The Athletic. By the way, if you like what you hear, Emery, also one of our writers, uh, if you're listening and you're not a subscriber yet, uh, we're running a 40% off special for listeners to this podcast. So, uh, or I guess listeners of this podcast, our friends and family. Theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. Uh, you don't need to punch in a code or anything. Just go to that page and you get 40% off. It's all set up for you. Uh, so, there you have it. Emery, uh, weird, right? Like, it's basically the second week of August. There aren't any preseason games. There, there's not a lot of, I mean, I think Hard Dock starts tonight. That's basically going to be the only video we have for football. Right. Yeah, it's funny because I just found out Hard Knock starts tonight. I want to say what thirty minutes ago. Really? <laughs> I had forgot. Right, nice. Really? Because you know, normally I'm usually at training camp, at Giants camp, just you know, with all the video and practices and stuff like that. I'm usually like four shades darker by now, but you know, I, I kind of well, hanging out by the pool instead. It, nah, never, never that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm always hanging out at somebody's football practice, but. You know, because of the schedule has been blown up, every day is the same day as Groundhog's Day since March. Yeah, exactly. Well, we can enjoy Hard Knocks tonight. Maybe talk about it next week. There you go. I really don't know what to expect. I mean, I really, so people have been saying, and like a few people have said this to me, like it just doesn't feel like, I don't have that like fantasy buzz yet. I don't have that drive. And I'm thinking like, you know, probably because there's nothing on TV, you're not seeing any highlights, but maybe once Hard Knocks starts and you actually see like, Football players hitting each other and the grunts and the coaches kind of yelling. Maybe that'll light the fire under some, the pilot light under some people, so to speak. And I, you know, I, I I long for the days where we got the, you know, the hard knocks like the Ravens or the Chiefs early on when, when Herm Edwards was the coach. But I feel like now it's legitimate, you know, state-run TV where they're going to show exactly what the coaches want to show, and the players going to say exactly what the players or a coach to say, so we won't really get anything. Just like a hour long commercial but it's for something. the NFL. Is it something? It's something. It is something. Uh, it's, I mean, cause you know, the, you know, right. I was about to say vine videos, you know, we're getting tweet clips from the, uh, um, from the, the teams themselves, which is better than any, anything. Uh, and then, you know, some teams don't have video. Some teams just use still shots, which is listen, you act. I found. I find it funny that NFL teams swear that football is this top secret thing. Like, imagine being this, you know, worried about somebody seeing your stuff to go out there and just run inside zone all day. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it, I mean, maybe the intrigue is what makes it so mystifying and popular. Yeah, we did find out about Jared Goff a couple years ago that he, about his intellect. Uh, but <laughs> We mentioned that last week a little bit. Yeah. By the way, next week I'd say a 50-50 chance Jordan Rodriguez joins us, so stay tuned for that. She's our Rams beat writer. Talk a little Rams with Emery. That'll be fun. In the original rundown when she might have joined us today, I, was, I just had a line that was just like, let the two of them talk. Because I've seen it. There's a video. You two are good together. I like how you was going to take the easy way out and say, okay, cool. We got a guest. I do no work today, so let those two guys talk. There were two. There was a one, and then there was a two, but it's like, do you want the same boring answer? Like, hey, what do you think this year about the backfield? 
hey, what? how about those wide receivers? What's it going to be like? So I figured, like, just let you two kind of take it where it goes, and I'll, I'll guide it, you know, a little bit. <laughs> now, but you're right. right, though. It does get monotonous, though. It does get monotonous. You know, everyone, I, I like when people ask, hey, what you think about this? Well, I think X, Y, Z, and A, B, C, and one, yes. two, three. And then you get a, you give them all that information. Yeah, but see, this how I see it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is Emery's, Emery's awakening to fantasy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse than baseball, man. Be lucky you're not uh, the czar of the. Uh, I don't know what the. I don't know. There's no baseball equivalent of the playbook. I guess the diamond. Yeah, the Maybe. star of the diamond. I am. I am enjoying watching my Marlins play, though. You know, granted we're on a two-game uh, losing streak to the Mets, but hey, you know what? This may be the year. You notice every time we make the playoffs, and I say we because I'm a diehard Marlins fan. How that happened? Because in New Orleans, we didn't have a baseball team growing oh, did you have up. The Zephyrs? So we had the Zephyrs. We the Zephyrs came after the Marlins started in '92. All right. Um, and so when we got the Zephyrs. That was that was pretty cool. We had a minor league team, so I I grew up watching a lot of Marlins games and a lot of uh, Miami Heat games. I'm a Heat and Marlins fan, uh, basketball and baseball. Wow, Marlins! So every time we make the playoffs, we win the World Series. So hopefully, you make you're one of the 16 teams that makes the playoffs this year. Exactly, good chance. <laughs> right, let's talk about today's show. Uh, we've gone too far into baseball. Too far. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk a little McCole Hardman just because I'm genuinely personally curious about him. Uh, and Emery Hunt, uh, not favorite. Jordan Howard. But I just want to get, get a little bit of how he wanted Like, what can we expect from him in Miami as opposed to Jordan Howard in Situation X or Situation Y, which he was in the last couple of years? Uh, going to dig a little deeper into Miami. And this is all, by the way, we might just do this entire show on McCole Hardman. That's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> but just in case... Uh, I got a question from the mailbag, actually, um, about the 2021 rookie class. Uh, a little more Dolphin stuff, Naheem Hines, and then uh, some New Orleans locker room stuff, which I have at number seven, but I might bump up a little bit because uh, I feel like you might have some good stuff to say on this. Um, but I want to start with Nicole Hardman because, and this is this is me, you know, it's, I guess it's August, we still have a month until the season starts and a few weeks until draft season's over. Um, but I kind of had dismissed Nicole Hardman as kind of like a, just like a burner who's going to catch, you know, a long pass on three targets, maybe get a long touchdown. And then, like, we had a question in the mailbag about him. And, I, you know, I'm like, you know what, let me just, so I can sound smart, pull up some stats. And the more I looked at his stats, especially last year, they looked, I mean, Tyree Kill, his rookie year, and I guess that's an apt comparison because they're both speedy guys on Kansas City. Um, Tyree Kill, his first year was, I think, five, the same, almost the same amount of yards that McCole Hardman had. Six touchdowns, just like McCole Hardman had, receiving at least. Um, and, and But, like, McCole Hardman did it on, I think, half the targets, or maybe half the receptions. Uh, and meanwhile, we've seen Tyreek Hill kind of grow into this. I mean, last year he had 19 targets in a game. So he's kinda, he's no longer that just, like, that, that speed threat, just that dude who's going to burn. Like, he's that guy who has become, or maybe he always was a well-rounded football player and is now in the role that can kind of show that he's a well-rounded wide receiver. So McCole Hardman... Uh, the more I dig, man, the, the, I'm starting to like him more and more and more as maybe taking a step this next year. The problem is, you know, Sammy Watkins is still there. Travis Kelsey's going to catch a bunch of passes. They throw to the backfield. So uh, I guess Emery, uh, <laughs> grade my work and fact check me here. And let's get into <laughs> McCole Hardman a little bit. Well, you're right in your assessment. And that's what kind of gives you cause for pause because of all those other options. Had it not been for, let's say, at least Sammy Watkins, you can say, okay, he's going to make a significant jump. 
this year, but we saw how valuable Watkins was in the playoffs. And, you know, when you factor in Hill and Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Miko Harmon, I think, is going to be essentially what we saw last year. He's just going to be that guy that's going to have to maximize his opportunities. I mean, he averaged, what, 20 yards a catch? He was very Flipper Anderson like within this offense last year. So I, I can foresee him being that again. Because when you have that deep speed that both he and Hill has or have, uh, you know, they're going to be primed to to go deep down the field a lot. So it's not that he's necessarily just a deep threat. He's just a, a guy that can get deep, and he's in a, a, a great offense to do that. And it's just it's a great thing in reality because you have so many weapons. But in fantasy, you kind of have to treat him like his stats suggest. You can't treat him as an as a wide receiver one or wide receiver two, you really have to treat him as a flex guy. Yeah. Well, you know what? So I was watching his video, and you were you were actually in the back of my mind as I'm watching it because, uh, you know, you, you think of, of Hardman as like like the speedy guy who's just going to burn the top off the defense and catch a long pass. But I was watching his, uh, like, the top 10 plays that the Chiefs put out last year, and a lot of them were him, like, you know, going out 15 yards, catching, and then just zooming off. Like, it's not like a dude you, like, just run as fast as you can, I'll throw it to you and you can catch it. There are a couple of those. But, you know, like, a, he had, like, a 60-yard, I think he had six 40-plus-yard plays, uh, touchdown plays last year. Um, and some of them, I'd say half of them were him, you know, 15 yards out, catching the ball, making a move, and just outrunning everybody. You know, like, even taking it kind of diagonal on the field to outrun everybody that way instead of going straight up the hash marks. I thought that was pretty impressive. I guess watching a little more of his video of those touchdowns made me like him a little more. Yeah, people tend to think of deep threat as, okay, it's always going to be deep. But, you know, I've always, I've always said speed doesn't necessarily make you a deep threat. It's your ability to track and catch the football that makes you a deep threat. And you don't have to have, you know, blazing speed to be that. But for him, within his offense, because how they spread the field and because of how Mahomes does a great job of, of breaking contain and extending the play and finding guys open and a guy like Miko Hardman can do a great job of, you know, breaking off his route and, and creating space. Now, once he catches the football, it turns into a punt return or a kick return form. And he's just, you know, running to open grass. And when you're faster than a lot of people on the field, you're going to get from point A to point B pretty quickly. You know, I like, um, I like how you used to say, well, I think you say it all the time, but I think it was in a column last year, uh, how, you know, like these, the guys, and we talked about this last week, the guys in the punt return and kick return teams, because this happened, so again, I was researching again, and I hit on Chase Edmonds. And someone had asked, like, is it going to be Chase Edmonds? Is he going to be just like a handcuff to Kenyon Drake? Or is he going to be like a legit player into, you know, his own his own kind of guy? Um, and I was researching him at the end of last year, and I'm like, I know he was hurt, but he was off the injury report in December. And then the last couple things I read, it was just Chase Edmonds was working on special teams. And again, man, it made me think, like, that's like, if you're good on special teams, you can show you can make plays... You're going to get in the real game. Was it different for Edmonds? I mean, like, is is this something where we're looking at this year where Kenyon Drake, um, and I know Chase Edmonds is an Emory guy, and he's actually a Nando guy too because he's a Fordham guy. Uh, but is is he kind of relegated to this background now because maybe Kenyon Drake is a Cliff Kingsbury guy and uh, Cliff Kingsbury guy, and uh, and Edmonds wasn't like he you know he he was there before Kingsbury showed up. Or is this something where, like, maybe they were just rolling and maybe Edmonds is a better fit? Because if you look at Drake's numbers, he only really had, like, I think two, three awesome games where he broke out for a ton of yards. And there were four that were just kind of, like, 
three point whatever, two point whatever yards per carry, and not a lot of receiving yards. How would you how would you sort that out? Yeah, I, I think when you look at the offense, it's um, you know it's going to be there's never going to be a, a true bell cow because if you go back to you know Kingsbury at Texas Tech, it it was always a committee, and so both guys are going to have their chances. I'm glad Edmonds got the chance when Drake was hurt to be the starter against the Giants, and he ran for over 100 yards and scored, what, three touchdowns, three or four touchdowns? So he proved it then. Then he got hurt. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in, a, in the subsequent game, I believe, and then that's when we didn't see him play a lot down the stretch. But I do think both guys have that ability to thrive in, in this offense, which is why they felt comfortable. Granted, you're getting a, a huge haul for the guy they let go, but I, I, I felt as though because of what they had – on the roster, they felt easier in letting go David Johnson. Um, and yes, you get DeAndre uh, Hopkins in, but you, you know, if you if you felt as though Johnson was going to be a key cog to this offense, a tailor made fit, it probably wouldn't have been beneficial to let him go. But because they have Edmonds and because they have Drake and they drafted Eno Benjamin, I felt as though hey, we they they looked at it as like yeah, we got. Um, enough here in the backfield to be successful it won't be a bell cow but it'll be a, a situation where you're going to have a guy um both guys i think could finish over with 500 yards rushing over 500 yards now who has the most all depends on who gets the you know the the lead out the gate right was was last year's was the way that Edmonds ended last year that wasn't an indication of how they're going to use him this year right like he barely played at the end of last year yeah he barely played but i don't know how much of that was due to health or you know, coaches just getting it, you know, stuck into a routine and uh, playing, you know, the the guy that they brought in or just because they were trying to, you know, they didn't want to lose him or what have you, but they barely played him. So maybe he just wasn't 100% down the stretch. Are we uh, are we Kyler Murray guys here? Are we big breakout Kyler Murray? Yeah, I think so. I think when you watch how they play, it's, it's straight point and shoot. You know, it's like catch, throw, catch, throw, catch, throw. It's a lot of reps. It's a lot of plays. And when you factor in his ability to, to, you know, create, be mobile, scramble, extend, um, along with the weapons that they have on the perimeter and the way he helps out the run game because of his own mobility and the improvements along the offensive line. Yeah, we're, we're big Kyler Murray fans here because of what the potential could be for this season. I think he's primed for one of those ridiculous numbers type seasons. Um as he becomes more acclimated to the NFL game. Is he the, uh, like the Emory surprise fantasy draft guy? Like when you get that quarterback in like the third or fourth round, is that, is that this year's Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Like you do have a streak that you need to keep up. Right. And I, I feel as though I, I, I've gone all in on Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. You know, and so Haskins can be that guy, but I think Haskins is going to be more along the lines of having that golf breakout year where he threw like 30 something touchdowns. So on like 10 interceptions, something like that. But Murray is going to tack on the 500 or so rushing yards, too, you know, which pushes him up. So I say both guys would be guys that you can feel comfortable with. I do like Haskins in this in this role um, this year with Washington, but I also like. Oh, yeah, you've been very shy about talking about that. Yeah, you know, because I'm sick of people trying to. You see what's <laughs> happening nowadays. People are trying to make this Alex Smith a thing, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> what was funny quickly about Alex Smith is, like, the reason why he got – shipped out of San Francisco 
was because he was too conservative and he felt like the offense was stagnated. So they brought in someone more dynamic, Colin Kaepernick. He goes to Kansas City. They have success, but they feel like the offense is stagnated. It's too conservative. He doesn't really push the ball vertically down the field. In comes Patrick Mahomes. And now you go to Washington where you bring in a guy that can push the ball vertically down the field, has the accuracy that you want, and you're going to talk about Alex Smith, who has already been tagged conservative, too conservative, and now coming off a leg injury where he's going to lose the one attribute he had, which was his mobility, and now he's going to be older, less mobile, still conservative, and now prone to take sacks as opposed to get out the way. Why do people be... Why are people consistently purposely stupid? Like this is all the evidence that's telling you Alex Smith is a non-factor on his damn football team. I mean, it's like a Hallmark movie though. I think people just want the story. I don't know if they actually want Alex Smith, the quarterback. I think if like, if you're watching TV and you see Alex Smith come trotting onto the field, you're like, Oh my God, just please don't hit his leg. Please don't hit his leg. You have know, seen the pictures. I think people just want the story, you know? Yeah. I've learned, I learned early in my, in my life when I was, I want to say in elementary. Once I found out that Greek mythology was just made up stories, so like, yo, this is people believe that people love this. This is dumb. This is not. I thought this was history. This is just fake. Oh, so well, maybe it's not made up. Yeah, it's made up. All right. So there's a god of water out there, like a Poseidon, like a big, you know, six five, two hundred and sixty five pound sea god out there, like with muscles and you know, crown and. Human features, but <laughs> something that bothers you. Besides, the one that bothers you, not all of them. <laughs> I think you're underrating him at six foot five too. <laughs> I think you meant sixty five. Oh uh, man! Oh, by the way, Emery Hunt on the uh, Liz Loza Yahoo show this week. Hey man, I'm doing catch big things, man. They yeah. catch me everywhere, man. Like follow, you know, f ball game plan, you know. I don't know where I might be tomorrow. Liz Lowe's is one of the best. I like her. She a was lot. awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she's a she's a big Chicago Bears fan. I could see her. I could see her being a Bears fan. Yeah, I think she's she Chicago native. I believe. Yeah, I could see her being from Chicago. She. Uh, yeah, I remember we we had her on the Sirius show back in the day. You know, like 2014. Um, and she like she just had like there was there was this moment where she was talking about something that she read that was like super deep about. I can't remember who the quarterback was at the time or who he was thrown to, but lo and behold, like three weeks later, those two blew up. So good time talking with Liz Loza. Yeah, she was awesome. It was uh, fun talking to her. Uh, we was talk- Funny enough, we were talking Rams. Oh, there you go. Everyone's talking the Rams. Yeah, kind of Hard Knocks. You know that? Kind of- <laughs> yeah, the Rams and the Chargers? <laughs> Chargers still in the league? Yeah. <laughs> still call them San Diego. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it, things won't go great for the Chargers until they move back to San Diego and start wearing those Junior Seau uniforms again. When no, I, when they wore those, they were I thought they were like at their best. Well, they were right. I mean, that was like yeah. the golden years of the San Diego Chargers, Ladainian exactly. Tomlinson days. No, no night games. Every game was at at you know felt like it was at noon Pacific time, bright sun. Infield yeah. still in the you know Padres still playing. Yeah. You could feel so, the sea breeze kind of just rolling over. Exactly. And for some reason, Junior say I was always allowed to to line up offside and nobody called it. So <laughs> love those charges. Used to be running back? Sound yeah. bitter. Yeah, sound a little bitter. <laughs> hey, we can talk the charges. Hey, look, we I mean, look, I know we have a rundown. 
But if you want to go to Tyrod Taylor and the Chargers and what's Austin Eckler going to do, we can. Or we can go to Jordan Howard, who I know you don't really like. Well, it's not that I don't really like uh, Jordan Howard. It's just that, you know, the here's the thing. When you have the analysis side of things and the fanalist side of things, it gets frustrating when you're providing the analysis, yet you keep getting bombarded by the fanalist that tells you that this guy is the next coming of Walter Payton. Well, and, and you as an analyst, you know, it's like, okay, if he's the next coming of Walter Payton, then why would he have ever been let out of Chicago? And now he has been let out of two places, Chicago and now Philadelphia, because of the same reasons. He's a good back, but I think because he doesn't bring anything from a dynamic standpoint as far as explosive runs or, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield or being a downfield threat in the passing game, it makes him one-dimensional. So he's more of a complimentary back. So that's all I was trying to tell people back then. Um, but, you know, when people get emotional and let the fanalism start to come out and, and so that blocks any logic coming in. So now they're starting to see, you know, two teams remove and now he's on his third. He's going to another situation where I think he's going to be paired in a tandem with Matt Breeder, who has the explosiveness and can catch the ball in the backfield. And you're going to see more of Howard being like the four-minute offense back in a closer, short yardage goal line. So he's going to have a role. And this situation, I think, will look a lot like what we saw in uh, Arizona with both Edmonds and Drake. I think both guys are going to have their ability to carry the football and, and have some stats, so to speak, to use a fantasy term. But I just don't see anyone being you know, okay, we got to take this guy because they're going to produce a projected X, Y, and Z amount of yards. Because I think what Miami's going to do, if now from all intents and purposes, if Tua is out there, they're going to try to, you know, prove that Tua is the franchise guy. They're going to try to run that offense through him, which probably leans more toward Breida than it does Howard. Uh, so I think the run game will be w- will be used to keep the passing game on schedule. And, you know, they're going to just use that as a place setter as opposed to trying to really develop and establish a run. I think they're really going to try to air it out. Well, so this is where, this is where actually, this is perfect that you're doing this, the show here, because I have questions. Um, like, so Jordan Howard, like, I would think of him as like the traditional, like, kind of like table setting running back who would be like the compliment or the, you know, the other swing of the pendulum to someone like Tua. Um, but are you saying like Matt, so Matt Breda, works better with Tua because he can kind of run around and get open and, and be a little, like I guess, wily. Uh, whereas Jordan Howard just, you know, run forward, run forward, run forward. That's Is that what you mean? Like the, the dynamism is kind of complemented better by Breda than it is Howard, which I guess could also be a compliment just on the other kind of side of things. Like he's the traditional guy, two is the wild card, and then you kind of have people maybe guessing. Or is it like you need two kind of wild cards in there for it to really click at its highest level? Does that make sense? Did I get too weird? Was that too weird? Was that, that you got sense? you got kind of weird, but I'm going to try to yeah. rein you in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> I think what happens, because one thing about Tua, people think Tua as this Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, or Lamar Jackson type guy where, where they're counting on him being a factor in a run game when that's really not Tua's game. You know, Tua is more, you know, scramble as opposed to, you know, run or take off and run. And, and I think... So that's why I compare Tua's game to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's more he's he's athletic. He's more of a, a pocket mover and a scrambler than a guy that you can really count as a plus one in the run game. So he really won't help you know aid the run game like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, or Russell Wilson would. 
so he's going to do a good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly, buying some time. Um, he's deadly accurate. So if you want someone that's going to help the run game out, it will have to be Breida because Breida is the, the more explosive. And like you mentioned, Howard is the pace setter. Howard is going to, you know, average 4.2 yards a carry. That's going to be Howard's thing. But Breed is going to give you that element of the explosive play, whether that's as a receiver on a screen or in the run game where he has a lane. He can you know run past a lot of people. So I think that's why you're going to see both used in uh, in tandem as opposed to one guy being the guy. You know, I got another question. Uh, you, you, you talk about Jordan Howard not being a good pass catcher uh, and you were running back um, like we saw Aaron Jones before last year. He actually went back to his hometown and I believe he worked out with a bunch of like high school quarterbacks um, who like would just sit there and just throw him pass after pass after pass after pass after pass. And there was like a cute little twist where he uh, paid them in milkshakes or something like that. Uh, I got to read the story again. That's, I might be paraphrasing. There might be something I'm missing there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point is, is that's a skill you can learn, right? Like, doesn't Jordan Howard say, like, I, I'm not a good pass catcher. Let me learn. Let me go use the next four months this offseason and maybe this this off season's a bad example, but any off season, he's been in the league for four years. This is his fifth now. Couldn't he say like, "Let me go learn how to do this. Let me go to the best pass back catching coach in the land and have him teach me"? Or is that is that is that a, is that a skill you can learn, or is it something like that? If if he's not learning it, you could tell a lot about that player. How about that? It's a skill that you can learn, but it's also something that tends to come naturally to. To people think about it, man. The first thing you learn how to do as a kid is throw and catch, right? Yeah. So, um, and you can tell who can catch by how they, you know, attack the ball or what have you. Um, and I think, you know, when we say Jordan Howard is not a good receiver, we're not talking about him just catching your standard meets expectations passes like your screens, flares, flats, and flare outs. He can catch those, you know, but that's part of the job what makes him uh, not like Aaron Jones is that you can see Aaron Jones had that natural ability to catch the ball over his shoulders away from his body you know extending out for for a pass and he looks comfortable catching the football so you can trust him going downfield Howard isn't that type of pass catcher and you can you can work on catching the football just like you can work on your pocket mobility and you know, you could work on your route running and, you know, reading coverage and catching the ball over the middle of the field. But all of that changes when it counts for real and adrenaline kicks in and the pressure of the moment kicks in. Then you're not in that ideal scenario of no one's around. You're catching every ball. You stand in front of jugs machine, all of that good stuff. When the balls are coming consistently accurate at you, we know not every quarterback throws like the jugs machine or throws it accurately. Um, or, or consistently in the same spot or with the same velocity every time. Sure. So for, for Howard, it's just, you know, it's just, um, I just don't think he's a natural pass catcher that you can trust downfield. But as far as like the standard stuff that you ask backs to do, yeah, he can do those. And, and that's why I think he's been utilizing those, those ways uh, as opposed to trying to be forced to be a back that, that goes downfield. You can just get you a back that can do those things as opposed to trying to force it with Howard. Uh, we got two show notes. Uh, very quickly, our producer, Derek Van Riper, says that A.J. Hawk is Poseidon. Ah, uh, he looks like Poseidon. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I feel like... I've never seen Poseidon, but I'm uh, pretty sure he probably is like, you know, judging by how the world tends to draw characters, it would look more like A.J. Hawk. For all we know, Poseidon could be blue, you know? 
Well, that's a, hey, you know, you might all these guys like to come down and be in disguise, you know. True. That's what True. makes them so effective. Come down from Mount Olympus, hang out amongst the people, right? Yeah, Mount Olympus. I forgot about Mount Olympus. Really? I, not all because again, once I deemed it's almost like wrestling. Once I deemed it fake, it was like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> You should go back and read it. Dude, I love it. Like, I, you can make little references all the time. If you, like, Yeah, I, I still use it as, uh, like, granted, I have, you know, I'm, I'm big on leadership books and, and stuff like that. And I still yeah. have uh, a couple of Julius Caesar leadership books. Now, even though he was a real person. He was actually real. Exactly. He was a real person. <laughs> but, you know, you draw from some of the, the anecdotes from Greek mythology all the time. Like, as much as I'm joking on Greek mythology, it does have a moral purpose to some of the stories but you know the whole medusa turn you you know look turning you know you into stone when you look you're like come on man i deal in reality you know that's but that's a that's a, a metaphor for you know don't get involved with a bad woman who's been scorned <laughs> or she turns you to turn stone, stone which will, yeah which stone. will mean she'll kill you figurative <laughs> yeah that's exactly what you know maybe not even literally kill you but you know well that's what turn to stone mean right yeah, but I mean, it could also be "quote unquote" turned to stone. You know, like you could just be, become a complacent husband, minivan, that kind of stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, see, I didn't think of that side. See, you think about it like smart. that. You, yeah, you're no longer moving forward. You're just stone. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good news. Uh, we may have a sponsor possibly for the last time now. Hopefully, Ernest. Uh, they're not big Greek mythology believers. Um, maybe they're Roman. Right. Yeah, maybe they're Roman. Uh, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Ernest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So, you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest. Go to earnest.com slash throwback. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refinance your student loan at earnest.com slash throwback. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash throwback for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Nice. Ernest, fans of the throwback. We'll make it Emery next time. Maybe we can ask if they can make it slash Emery. That'd be cool. That'd be dope. Yeah, it'd be fun. That's the, I think I gotta, that's one more thing I got to add to my portfolio. I've done a lot of stuff, but I haven't been a promo. We could probably make you a promo code, actually. I that think would be the, awesome. Well, it's the athletic.com slash fantasy football pod is what we have right now. But I mean, maybe DVR can make it. We well, I could maybe even slack the guy and be like, can we make it the athletic.com slash Emery? You sure you want that kind of pressure? Yeah, because that way I can go update my LinkedIn and put like, yo, listen, not only have I done this, but I'm also a promo code. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> if it means that much to you, let me see what I can do. Uh, so, okay. So we got Miami. We talked to, I guess we, we hit that. Uh, that Tua Fitzpatrick thing. How, how many games do you think Tua is going to play versus Ryan Fitzpatrick? Cause I say Patrick? 12. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I say 12. I mean, because even though they're not going to be pressed to put Tua in, but it's just going to be evident that, you know, Tua is healthy. 
you know, he's moving around, he's jogging around, he's making two type throws. It's like, you know what, if he's healthy and we're seeing it in practice, let's just get the ball rolling now, you know, instead of trying to kick the can down the road and, and play this whole Fitz magic thing and, you know, you start out 2-0 and oh, and next thing you know, you're 2-6 and six and like, yeah, you know, if you ain't two trying a, to blame it. 2 and yeah. 6? A, ah, I, see? Uh, yeah. Did you get that from Greek mythology? I did. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So I think they just have to you know, get him rolling right away. As soon as he, because the whole question was whether or not he was healthy or clear for contact. And obviously we won't see that in preseason. And I have a great article coming out on The Athletic about, about how you are supposed to scout for preseason. So it's visit. a good article. I read it. Yeah. Yes. You know, something, something we threw out there, you know, just to try to get people a good, uh, some good insight on how to scout this unique time that we're in. Well, cause you know, all the play, like, that's it. Like, you know, all the players and you've, you've literally seen all the players. So like, it, like we don't have a preseason. Like we watch these games, to see what people look like. Um, and actually like a line you put in there, like, trust your eyes, man. You may know more about football than you even know. People really don't get enough credit for what they know, man. And, you know, we try to make this thing out to be super complicated and well, he does this way. You got to look at this. Like, listen, you could set, you could have sat there for one game at Louisville and it was like, man, I kind of want this quarterback on my team. They can't really touch him. Like in that, and that Bridgewater you're talking about. Oh, I forgot Bridgewater was great too in college. Um, and people oh, doubted yeah. him too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but now nah, I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. I know. Oh, they both went 32. Wow. <laughs> the league is consistent. <laughs> Aren't they? <laughs> but now you you could watch a game and find the best players. And so even if you even if you're not a trained scout or have a trained eye, you're you know who's good and who's not, man. It's so I you know even though we can sound technical and professional of what I look for in a running back, you can see that you know running back A and running back B are different, and running back A gives you the best chance to win. So people, if they just watch, they they know already, but they get so inundated with so much information that they talk themselves out of it. Emery, how do you think we're going to – so you talk about seeing Tua in practice. How do you think we're going to actually be able to see any kind of practice this year? Is it going to be like – because I don't even know if, if reporters are allowed. You know, a lot of stuff during the in-season, you see reporters on the sideline with the kind of the grainy Twitter video. Um, Emery on the sideline with the HD Twitter video. Exactly with Canon, you know, the T2I camera footage. <laughs> but how are we going to see it this year? Like, do you think, do you think maybe like NFL Network or something will be kind of someone will have this idea? Like, let's show some practices on TV so people can get a little more football. Or how are we going to know? Well, I think what's going to happen. I, I do know that NFL Network and ESPN. I think they have the clearance too, like the standard protocol. Uh, uh, employees like the dot com sites, you know, the giants dot com, dot com, those those sites. Yeah, I think they have the same type of clearance. But what I also believe will happen is teams have their own in house productions anyway. They can stream practice via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube. Um, they're already running these shows like Building the Browns or Building the Colts. So I think we'll see practices, st- you know, streamed. You know, because I think that's the best way to keep people engaged because if, I mean, we've seen these zoom calls and I, and I've, I've been terrible at, at you know, joining them. Um, really? I know the giants. Yeah. Cause giants have one. And it's like, as soon as you're getting ready to join, you see all of the beat writers tweeting out what's what each, everything that everybody says. 
oh, Barkley's working hard this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed that. It's like, yo, you know what? I'm not going on this damn Zoom call. Like, because like, everything is going to be, yeah, working hard, you know, just putting in the work, best shape of my life, you know, just trying to be best. This, who wants to sit on a 45-minute Zoom call and hear stuff like that all the time? You know, all day, every day from many different players. Right, right. So I know there's one later on. Uh, today when we're filming this, and, and it's the coordinator, so I, I kind of want to get on that one because I, I have legit questions, but I got to fight my way through the, so how does Daniel Jones look this year? Is he going to be great? It's going to be, you know. <laughs> how are you going to use Saquon Barkley? <laughs> exactly. Talk about, talk yeah, about talk about Shepard. It's, you know, it's, it's terrible. So, But it's Jason Garrett. Shout out to the beat writers, though. Yeah. Shout out beat writers. You're getting those, uh. Tough questions in. <laughs> Are you intrigued by Jason Garrett? I am. I think people sleep on Garrett as a coach. I like him as a coach. Uh, and I and just judging on what he was doing in Dallas with the quarterbacks that he has had, you know, like Tony Romo, mobile guy, Dak Prescott, mobile guy, and what he has potentially in Daniel Jones, a mobile guy with the game breaker at running back and you know, I'm envisioning a movement type offense. So a lot of boots, waggles, sprint outs, you know, a lot of uh, mesh concepts um, to where he's going to, you know, put the ball quickly into those catch and run guys hands because they don't really have a guy that you. I know everyone in, in Giants fan land and, you know, Giants beat writer media is uh, Slayton is the next Jerry Rice. But if, you know, from a unbiased nine big blue set of eyes. Um, Slayton is, is solid, but let, let's be realistic. You're not going to game plan for Slayton. So he's a catch and run guy. And in Garrett's offense, they're going to put him in situations where, where he's going to have those opportunities. That's why I, I didn't, I didn't think Shermer was a bad coach. Shermer had plays. He had a really good offensive scheme. Um, they just didn't have, you know, the horses, you know, in, in certain spots, in certain uh, positions uh, throughout the course of a game. And it just ultimately did him in. But it wasn't because of a lack of play calling. They had they had what they needed on offense to be successful. That's why I like him in Denver. That's right. He was in Denver. He's in Denver. Yep. That's why I think Denver is going to be one one team. That whole AFC West is going to be. I mean, listen, I'm working on the AFC West now on uh, football game plan YouTube videos. And nice. wrapping up those previews, and it's legitimate hard to pick a first, second, third place, fourth place winner. You know, it's it's going to be a situation where they're going to have four teams in that division with winning records. That's a bold call, man. Yeah. So is it going to be kind of like mediocrity in a weird way? Like no, you're not going to have that thirteen. But I mean, but I mean, like record wise, like if they're just kind of everyone's going to have a winning record. That sounds like a lot of like nine and seven, nine and seven, ten and six, ten and six kind of thing. Yeah, think about the NFC West. Rams were nine and seven last year, missed the playoffs. Cardinals were five, ten, and one. And you looked at that team like, man, if they were a young team that collapsed late in games, they were maybe four legit plays, not you know, point to plays away from being nine and seven themselves. So that's going to be a very competitive division too. Wow, West. We like the Raiders. Nice. <laughs> You're not gonna get a prediction out of me just yet. I don't want. Hey, no, no, of course not. Uh, by the way, check. Uh, Emery's got a show on Game Plus every Thursday at six thirty. 
Uh, there is a, yeah, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Check with your capable provider for channel listings. Yes. Uh, but, uh, so we're going to get into a few more things. Uh, we got some time left. I want to talk uh, Naheem Hines. I want You know what? We're going to get into the New Orleans locker room first. But, uh, but before that, I just want a quick word from Indochino. Uh, they're another supporter of the show. So, that, I mean, this is Emery. Week two, we got two sponsors. So this has to feel good. Um, so quick word from Indochino. We'll be right back. Okay, uh, so uh, here's how I think we should finish off show number two. Uh, I, you're a New Orleans guy, and you're a guy who's played football and been around football, and you just uh, people like you and they talk to you. This Drew Brees thing this year, and I find so like you say, you know how you just mentioned a minute ago ish about how like we're seeing the same tweets over and over and over again from different beat writers. So in my in my stream, there are like four people with the same quote. Because they're all on the same Zoom call and they're all hearing the same answers <laughs> to the questions. Yesterday, it seemed like Emmanuel, it was like an Emmanuel Sanders fest. And everyone was just like, Emmanuel Sanders loves how Drew Brees is, you know, no one works harder than him. But I remember when Brees was making these comments, like his entire team was just crapping all over him. And I kind of remember th- like seeing a Sanders tweet and I went back and looked and he just did a did an SMH ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Thomas had a tweet. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins had, had a video. Um and now they're trying to play like everything's fine and dandy and sweet. And uh, like, is this locker room going to be okay? Like, are they all healed now? Or is this going to be something where there's going to be resentment? Are they going to be able to kind of like leave it in the locker room and be able to play? Like, can you just get like a state of this? Because this work, like we got all the numbers in the world. But like the intangibles like this, like can you can Drew Brees effectively lead a team, quote unquote, lead a team right now um, with this weird off season where it just like, People are dumping on him in, in Twitter, and now it seems kind of like these forced nice things they're saying about him. Yeah, he can lead a team. And it, again, at the end of the day, it's football. Once they get out there, everyone wants to be the best that they can be, and they're going to work together to get a job done. I have seen situations that I'm not going to get into on air where it was far worse than this Drew Brees Saints fiasco that happened uh, at the height of the George Floyd protests and things of that nature. Um, and I've seen a team go on and be successful. I've also seen it at the collegiate level and at the pro level. I'll feel you in off air, but uh, All right. <laughs> Can't wait. this is this is something that is small potatoes to some legit stuff that has gone on in locker rooms and teams were still able to go out and be successful. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, just Emmanuel Sanders in general. Uh, so forget about the controversy I'm trying to stir up. Uh, but Emmanuel Sanders coming into New Orleans doing the Sean Payton system. I read something somewhere where like Tom Brady, I don't know if Tom Brady said that, you know, I got to learn a new playbook for the first time in however many years. Is is this going to be an easy system for Emmanuel Sanders to pick up? Is he going to be fine, great, awesome, perfect fit? Because, I've you know, I've got a lot of Traquan Smith on my, my best ball teams, grabbing him late. He's available and you know, basically any round I want him. Is that going to be a, a thing where Emmanuel Sanders just kind of becomes the number two immediately, or is there some room for growth uh, for Smith? How's that going to all shake out? Why would you own so much Traquan Smith shares? I don't know, because everyone loved him like two years ago. you talking to the wrong people. Like, I would have told you stay away from that. So <laughs> right. this dude, Emmanuel Sanders, is <laughs> a legit number two. I mean, if Michael Thomas only runs hitches, then Emmanuel Sanders will only run slants or, or, or you know, crossing routes. Why? Because Drew Brees doesn't throw it deep anyway. 
So, yeah, he has a chance to immediately come in here and thrive and because he's going to be running not that – the Saints offense isn't that complicated. Breeze just does a great job of operating and gets it out of his hands quickly. Um, then you get a healthy Alvin Kamara back that's going to open things up for those guys. We talked about the tight ends before. Um, oh, no, that was on the list. Loza. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you get confused. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm doing so much right now. Doing so much. <laughs> you know, juggling stuff. What's this uh, week? What are you doing this week? TV show? Oh, podcast? TV show, podcast, article I just did. Videos? Um, videos. You know, I might, you know, I go jogging. You know, I do all, all kind of stuff I'm doing, man. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> maybe I'll get a jog in. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get a jog in. You know, shoot some hoops, get some jumpers up, you know, get down to that bubble. Um, but, yeah, I think it's easier for Sanders to step into this offense. We saw him do it going from – San Francisco to Denver. I'm Denver to San Francisco. He right. just stepped right in and, and picked it up. So I, you know, and burned the Saints too. So I don't, I don't see, I see him having a, a really good season along with Michael Thomas. This is something the Saints sorely needed, man. They needed a one and two um, that they really didn't have for a good stretch, man. It's been all Michael Thomas, and he's going to share a little bit of that 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 pie with with Emmanuel Sanders. All right, I'll get rid so of get rid of your trick. Yeah, I'm about to say get rid of your trick. <laughs> well, look, he's got, he had five touchdowns each of the last two years. So that's great. That's yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. <sorry. laughs> um, I want to. We got a question from Joseph H. Uh, it was in a mailbag. But by the way, if if you want to send in questions for Emery or me, uh, <laughs> probably mainly Emery. <laughs> it's uh, fantasypods at theathletic.com. Uh, fantasypods at theathletic.com. We'll read your question on air. I mean, look, we haven't read any yet, so if you email us, you'll I, I'll guarantee you get on as long as DVR reads it. It doesn't go to spam. Don't run anything weird. Uh, but Joseph H. in the mailbag. Emery, what's your approach to 2021 rookie draft picks with the ripples from COVID affecting college football? Wow, talk about the perfect question to tie into the article I wrote. Yeah, right? Uh, right? You know, this is great. I think you have to really look at who was drafted, where they were drafted, and where they were going. Um, for instance, if you're talking about Jonathan Taylor, this guy was drafted in the second round, going to Indianapolis, behind that offensive line, similar to what he had at Wisconsin. That's a guy you want to take early. you know. So I think you have to look at rookies like that. It's going to be more along the lines of you got to focus on the first, second, maybe even some third-round rookies. Everyone else you got to really kind of stash on the back burner because it's going to be about getting guys ready to play right now. And you have to just be honest with yourself. You know, it's going to be important for a team to get a first-round pick ready to play than a seventh-round pick. You like Kirk Merritt a little bit, though. I really do, because he is explosive. He's dynamic. He's uh, a good move piece within the, the formation. You can put him in the backfield, put him on on the slide. He can play on the outside. He can return kicks. And that depth chart got decreased by two. So it pushes him up two spots along with his skill set, I think he would have been a draftable player had he been invited to the combine because he would have ran uh, four low four fours. He would have jumped 47 inches on the vertical, literally 47 inches and would have benched 225. I want to say like 40 times. So he would have, he would have caught a lot of eyes um, because of his workout. And they would have went back to his tape. And it's like, man, this dude is just like Depot Samuel. And you know, he would have got the post combine pro day circuit buzz that would have gotten him drafted. But because he missed all that because of COVID-19, um, it didn't work out for him. He went undrafted, but he landed in a great spot. How is this, like, can, do you 
Can you get into the, by the way, we'll get back to Joe because he asked about the 2021 class, but your answer was so good about the 2020 class that I just let you roll with it. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. Joseph well, we'll H. Get, don't worry, we've got time. We'll get there, Joe. Joseph H. Uh, is, um, oh no, that's Joseph A. Banks. I know. Sorry, as I was saying it, it made me think of the clothing store. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Merritt, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kirk Merritt. What's his what's his day to day look like right now? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Zoom calls and stuff, but when you're doing the Zoom call, are you are you like are you sending in tape of you working out and running routes and the coaches critique it, or uh, how's that working? Like, what is it like, just logistically, looking like right now? Oh, they're practicing. We're just not seeing it because we're not there. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Not not now. Like a few like after he signed and before he reported the accl- the acclimation process. Sorry. Oh yeah yeah well yeah it's just like working out. Same same thing that he was doing probably when um he was on Zoom calls and participating with the with the playbook and all that stuff like that. But probably a lot of what he did prior to getting drafted, like a lot of these guys were just posting their workouts on YouTube and sharing them on social media and sitting. Yeah, obviously they were sending them to teams. They were posting their workouts and their combines, their virtual combines on on YouTube. And are the coaches like is a wide receiver coach, you know, writing back being like, hey, Kirk, uh, you know, I see like. At this part in the vid, I pause it like on one thirty six. You need to do this instead of that. Like try this instead of that. Is that how they? Yeah. Co- is that how they were coaching in the the pre practice era? I would think so. Also, with technology nowadays, it's easier for coaches to implement a whole playbook as opposed to doing it like the old school way. Coaches can now speak to a concept, show you examples on a video, and send you that that pre packaged video with their voiceover, and have you watch that. And if you have any questions. They could then send a uh, a response video showing you how you know the response to your your potential questions. Like if this guy does this, you do this, and this. And so, the the coaching part has become much more streamlined, I believe, uh, with this pandemic. And that's just on the record. So we don't know what these guys were doing off the record. They could have been meeting the whole time. Right. That's a good point. Um, clandestine meetings. All right. So you want to get back to Joseph H. Just really quickly, the twenty twenty one rookie picks. If there, I mean. It looks like very much there's going to be a, a spring college football season. Maybe that that seems to be the way we're kind of careening. Um, how does that how's that going to work? Does that does that affect statuses or anything like that? Well, what happens is you got to you you have to just kind of from a scouting standpoint, you're working on like right now. I already have like a hundred quarterbacks graded, a hundred twenty something running backs graded. So I'm working my way through positions. This is just seniors. And maybe some of the high end guys that I know will probably declare or have already declared. Um, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to declare, you know, uh, Justin Fields is probably going to declare. And so you grade those guys, too. But my approach has always been the same. It's going to be like scout what you can scout and wait for guys to, to pop up. Let's say later on in the process, once we either get a season or don't get a season, guys that throw their names into the mix and you work on those guys. But right now, I think everyone well, everyone should have that opportunity to really dive into the senior class. And that's why I spend most of the times, uh, most of my time on the senior prospects, because that way you get a good knowledge base of guys that are going to actually be in the draft. Right now, I think a lot of draft Twitter and a lot of people that cover the draft, I always focus on guys that are not eligible. You know, they're talking about, uh, you know, a true freshman quarterback that blew that blew the competition out of the water, man, when he gets into the league and he's going to be great, like, all right, cool, but, you know, he's not eligible. Like, focus on the seniors. They want those tweets or they want those retweets, man. They, that's that's they all, it, that's all it is. Chasing hearts, yeah. That's that's all it is. It's all for the likes and retweets. So I've been diving, you know, 
to, you know, use my time wisely during the early parts of the pandemic, like in March, it was all about just starting to break down senior prospects. And, you know, just obviously it's taking time away from, uh, I've taken time away from that because I started doing these NFL previews um, and doing draft recaps and stuff like that. But early on, it was all about early getting to jump on the film watching because this draft guy last year, you thought it was six, it was 683 prospects that I graded this year. I'm going to have over a thousand. So it's going to be a great draft guy to pick up this year. Why is that? What's for the jump? Is the jump because the unknown or is the jump because you're just Emory and you, know, you got to improve every year? You got to improve every year. And that's just me being me plus the unknown. Uh, Cause usually I start my draft process in January. You know, once I'm done, with my college football season and the NFL season, I start going to these all-star games. And that's when I start the whole process of, you know, getting a, a familiar of, of the prospects that are avail- available, um, then working the list down to a, a workable number to where I can get done by mid-February before the combine. But now with the way the schedule was set up and I have no college games to go to on Saturday, uh, as far as broadcasting is concerned, um, I have the ability now to, to get more prospects graded. And so that list is going to be about a thousand players or a little bit over a thousand, which is great for for the fans, because now with the rock buying the XFL and that potentially starting up um, in the spring, maybe not this year, but the following year, you're going to have a, a whole you know wealth of prospect scouting reports at your disposal, you know, because, you know, the NFL is constantly going to be transactional as far as players come and go. At least you have an idea of who's on your roster and who's not, and you'll be able to you know find out what that guy can do. It's too bad of the XFL. And we wrote some great stuff about the XFL. Everyone I know, it. man. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Oh, who's the? We have we got still got to check in on um, uh, Philip Walker too. You know what I, I also hate about draft Twitter, and and it's it ties right into your point about Philip Walker. Yeah. You notice how they always trying to replace certain quarterbacks. Right now, if you check all the mock drafts by all of your insert favorite draft Twitter person. They always put in quarterbacks to Carolina as if Carolina didn't double down on a position this offseason by signing franchise quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater and signing his backup former franchise quarterback of the Houston Roughnecks, PJ Walker. So why are you steadily trying to fit Trey Lance or, you know, Justin Fields or some other quarterback to Carolina when they already are set at the position. Shout out to PJ Walker. Shout out to PJ Walker. Um, yeah, you're right. I, uh, you know, you would say like a lot of these people on draft Twitter, um, maybe have a hubris. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. It, it, you like gotta Icar- humble yourself. Icarus? Yeah, you, you fly too close to the sun. You there burn you go. up. See? Yeah. Whoa! I told you. I'll, uh, listen. I t- <laughs> <laughs> I stay mid-level, ground level. I'm not getting too close to the sun. That's why I still have my wings. That's why we got two sponsors in our second show. <laughs> the Power of Emory Hunt. Uh, this is great. This is great. I love it. This is everybody's favorite show. Remember that. It really is. Next week, I promise we'll get to Naheem Hines if Emory hasn't blown up and become too big for the show. But I, I, I think we answered it, Like, right? We can get, we can get one more question. We, we got enough time. We got three minutes. Let's, let's get it in. Do you really think you could talk Naheem Hines in three minutes? Yeah, what they want, what you want to know? Uh, everything. Now you know. Well, okay, maybe he, maybe I'm doing another Traquan Smith here, but I look at what's going on in the Indianapolis backfield, 
And everyone, oh, Marlon Mack, oh, Jonathan Taylor. They're just going back and forth, back and forth. They're leaving out Naheem Hines, and I'm like, this guy, he could be Austin Eckler, maybe, right? Like, I mean, he's the Philip Rivers loves those dump-off guys. You're right. He is going to be the Austin Eckler of this offense. That's a great comparison. I, I don't know you. if I did that in an article or if I did it on the Liz Loza show. <laughs> when I It could have been with- an original thought, man. Come on. <laughs> There, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Thank you're right. you. <laughs> but he is, but you're right. I think the guy people are not uh, are not talking about is Hines because Taylor is going to be the bell cow. Mac is the one that's going to either be the comp guy or on the move, you know? You mean on the move to another team? Exactly, because you look at Taylor, what he is projected to be, he can catch, he can run, he's got great vision, he's a good foundation back, he has a breakaway speed. Hines is the, the receiver type guy. That has explosiveness. He's also valuable on special teams. So you're thinking, man, are, what value can we get from Marlon Mack? I think he may be the one on the move. So, yes, people are not talking enough about Naheem Hines. I think he's going to be a hev- heavily involved in his offense. We did that in three minutes. There you you're go. right. Yeah, less than three minutes. Take that, DVR. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, on tomorrow's show, Jake Seeley. Brandon Funston, Fantasy Hall of Famer Brandon Funston, and Michael Beller. Uh, we'll be back next week, I assume. Uh, we're, we're aiming for five sponsors. And then uh, Thursday, I got the show with Moody, and then I have no idea what Friday is, but let's say some combination of like Jake and Beller. So get excited. It's an off day. There's no show on Friday. Sorry, I've just been informed of that. <laughs> it's the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for the great Emery Hunt. I'm not a Defino. Thank you. We'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye.